to answer your question, no, I actually got embraced more. Because if you think about it, Arabic was in a lot of people's raps. Ashadu in the la ilaha illallah, messing with the six Scarface, Arabic Scarface. You know, it was a bunch of raps at that time. People was putting Arabic. Then you had people like Poor Righteous Teachers. You know, what I love about hip hop is the pure. And when you're pure and it's with hip hop, it's forever. I'm pure. You know, when somebody says the purest, you know, might have something to say. I said, I'm the purest. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, say you know, that. You can't, like, you can't take the way I've been raised and the way I've been born into this game. Uh -huh. Like, all I know is hip-hop. I am right. hip-hop. This is Nas. You're now listening to The Bridge, 50 Years of Hip-Hop. Hey, everyone. This is your co-host, Minya O, a.k.a. Miss Info. Now, you already know that any conversation with DJ Khaled is high-energy affirmation aerobics. And this convo is no exception. Khaled zigzagged through his very inspirational life story, from his early roots in both Florida and New Orleans, to all of his success today and why he feels that his Arab background gives him a very natural connection to hip-hop. We also talked to Khaled about how he got Nas and Jay-Z on a song together. Hope you love it. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. What if I told you you could get a big snack almost anywhere for less than five bucks? Let's talk 7-Eleven's $3 big meal deal with seven rewards. Big meal deal is a big bite hot dog and a large big gulp drink, and you won't find a better snack deal anywhere else. Here's what I put on my hot dog. Mustard. And that's it. That's it. I love a hot dog with mustard. Maybe if the chili, if I'm feeling it, if I'm feeling crazy, maybe a little chili, maybe a little nacho cheese, but I'm a hot dog and mustard guy. But if that sounds like your kind of bite, visit 7-Eleven, valid through 1725, 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early. Plus tax, applicable on large, big gulp only. Participating U.S. stores only. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. If you define the American dream as striving to be the best and finding ways to escape poverty, hip-hop believes in that. If you define the American dream as innovation meets determination, Hip-hop is that. It's no secret that within hip-hop you can hustle your way to major paydays. He may make it look easy, but DJ Khaled has spent decades getting to where he's at now. His success was not overnight. He's released monster records with every top music artist around. Khaled is living the American dream, and it's all because he believed in himself. Yo, you always ready. Somebody should have said, yo, Khaled, you ain't got to do nothing. Just keep your silk, <laughs> keep your silk so PJs, PJs on. Your PJs on. Listen, I'm just feeling new and blessed. I just feel so good, man. It's, you know, so much great things I'm ready to give the world. And like part of doing that, you got to be patient. But I got so much shit I'm ready to give them. 
Nas, when have you ever had a conversation with Khaled and you're like, what's up? And he's like, nothing. Never. <laughs> it's like, Never. of course you have a lot. That's why we love you, bro. You definitely represent the hustle. You're the definition of the hustle. Mm. A lot of people say they hustlers, you know. Right. They're really not even starting. They're really waiting for something to push them to get started. Or waiting for somebody to, like, come through with a magical bag of money. Hand it to them. Hand it to them. You're the definition of got it out the mud, man. Where did Khaled start? Yeah, we want to get into it, Khaled. I appreciate that, but that's why I got this thing on. You know, I got a rule in my circle and my team. We do not allow any pillow huggers. You know what I'm saying? What does that mean? You know, people that hug their pillow all day and put slob over the pillow, and then when they wake up, they still look like they got the pillow all over their face, and they inflict wounds on their face because they've been hugging their pillow. They're not hustling. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And they're complaining. So one thing about being a true hustler and a winner and somebody that's a go-getter, you always got to keep your surroundings right. Everybody got to be the right energy. You know what I'm saying? When they walk into... My house, the energy got to be right. You know, when you walk in here, it's about love, it's about family, yeah. and it's about, you know, new ideas, and it's about energy. So I take that type of energy everywhere I go. If I make music, I got to feel a certain way, and I got to put something in the air and put something on my board and say, yo, I, I got to pull this off, and I'm not going to stop till it's done. Hmm. Because if not, you know, this world wouldn't have these historical moments if I gave up or Nas gave up or, you know, whoever gave up. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't have Illmatic if Nas wasn't pushing his dreams and doing what he got to do. You know, Miss Info, you wouldn't do what you'd be doing if you didn't push yourself every day. So we have to take control of ourselves and push mm -hmm. ourselves to go hard. And that's what I represent, the hustle. I remember seeing you outside of one of my shows at the House of Blues, New Orleans. And I yeah. think you had this big chain on. Okay. And it was nighttime, you know, New Orleans at night. And he was by himself and he was leaving. It was after the show. I'm okay. like, yo, you good? And he was like, yeah, 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 I'm good. And I was worried about him because he had this big fucking chain on. Yeah. I said, this man But you knows didn't know this. that that was his I didn't know. turf. I may have heard him say okay. it, but still, it's New Orleans. It's still <laughs> real. Yeah. I was actually visiting... At that time, I remember, and I heard on the radio that Niles was performing, I had to go. It was crazy because I was visiting, you know, God bless my cousin, you know what I'm saying? He passed. And um, mm. oh, rest I, in peace. I went to go see him, you know, pay my respects. And then I heard Niles was on, going to be a House of Blues. And I used to DJ a House of Blues in that same spot. I used to tear that place down like no other. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Niles was performing in that spot, is special in the French quarters. Yeah. And he was performing, yeah. and I went to go see him. I remember that time. You know, I always had my chain on. I feel comfortable everywhere I go because I'm always going to be me. And I know I've been blessed to have this type of energy where, you know, people know Khaled got nothing but love. But at the same time, is I've always been loved and respected in so many ways. But, you know, to answer that question, I had to go see Nas. You know, I, I did go by myself. That's how much I love this hip-hop shit. I wasn't from New York. When I used to sneak in home base. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm a little kid now. I'm not even old enough. It's I Red Alert, in. right? Was Red Alert at home base at that point? Or who was there? Flex was actually DJing then. And, and that's the first time I've ever seen somebody rock four turntables. I've always seen it on videotape, but, you know, he was rocking it live four turntables. Flex was <laughs> rocking four turntables. Yeah, four turntables. It, it might have been like Mad Line, Acapella, 
and then boom, wow. a beat drop, and then boom, then boom, here come another beat. Now I was bugging out because I was trying to learn that tactic at that time. That's how much I loved hip hop because my dad used to go to New York for the magic show because my dad oh. had retail stores. So okay. when he used to go, I used to go stay in the hotel, and when he would fall asleep, I would sneak out to go to all these dope events. That's crazy. And then early in my career, I used to go to New Music Seminar all the time. That's where I met Fat Joe at, at New Music Seminar. Oh, uh, wow, okay. wow. That's wild. Yeah, the way I met Fat Joe was, this is when Joe had Flo Joe out. That album? Yeah. And I had a promo vinyl in my hand, and it was this album. The album didn't come out yet. So I come up to him, and he looks at me, and I show him the album. He's like, yo, how you get that? So, you know, Joe Crack, at that time, his face on one side would stay up like an ice grill looking crazy. <laughs> nah, nah. So I'm like, oh, shit, he about to theory me. You know what I'm saying? Like, get mad or some shit. And I was like, no, I got the promo. You know, I got to hook up at a record store that give me promo shit in advance. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I'm a fan. You know, he, you know, he signed it. But that's how I met him. And I think Supernatural just won the freestyle contest. And I think it was oh, like... Oh, wow. That was a big year. Yeah. A Clark Kent battle. Somebody. It's history. Yeah. Yeah, I but how did you go from being a fan who approached him for an autograph to being actually with the big TS chain in New Orleans or whatever? A member of TS. Oh, it's crazy. Nah, yo, nah, you've been, you don't even realize how much you've been a part of me growing up, but I'm in Orlando and Joe comes to Orlando. I'm just about to move to Miami and Joe's in Orlando, hits me up. We end up building a relationship and he comes to Orlando. This is before pun was like pun. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Like before he yeah. blew. And I never forget, he had a show and it was Nas performing. My man is a Jamaican promoter. It was a, uh, a spot, like a warehouse, and Nas was performing, and Nas and Shaq. You remember you performed with Shaq? Oh, yeah. yeah. What? You know what Shaquille yeah. O'Neal? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. I think Joe just went to rock or whatever. You know, Nas performing, everybody going. And I was there. It's crazy because when I see these pictures of these moments, I'm like, damn, yeah. I was a little kid on the, right there behind the camera just sitting there like, damn. You know what I mean? One day I'm going to be like that. Wow. wow. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Yo, you know what I'm saying? your memory is crazy. Uh, <laughs> we go back, man. I mean, yeah. just you mentioning the New Music Seminar. Right. I don't even think i ever been to the New what? Music Seminar. That was something I was looking forward to go to. Like, there was this other thing called Jack the Rapper, mm -hmm. but i never yeah. been there. It was something I was looking forward to going to. So these were the things that was driving the industry. Yeah. This was the networking events. Insiders, the radio DJs, All of that. everybody. Yeah. So Nas, I worked for Jack the Rapper. I've been to almost every Jack the Rapper, the one in Atlanta, the one in wow. Orlando. Jack the Rapper, God bless him, him and his family embraced me. I used to work for, like, he had a little magazine and the convention. This is where I first seen when Puff brought out the Craig Mac, the Big Mac, marketing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Big Mac hamburger carton. He brought it to Jack the Rapper. You know, Juicy just came out. It was the one in yeah. Orlando. The one in Atlanta, you know, those stories in Atlanta about conflicts and shit. I was there when the TV was falling 100 feet from the, the balconies. You know what I'm saying? I was there. <laughs> Moments. I used to do street team for all these labels. And again, I was there with my little drop machine. Yo, Biggie, can I get a drop? Oh, wow. Yo, it was B-I-G. You know what I'm saying? My little tape machine, and I'd go home and make my music and make my tapes. Or I used to shop beats back in those days. And I was super young, but I, mm -hmm. God blessed me and put me in those places. 
I was there. Is there anybody that you kind of would model your method? For sure. I'm inspired by a lot. I'm inspired by Barry Gordy, Quincy Jones, Puff Daddy, Jay-Z, Nas, Dr. Dre, Swiss Beats. You know, as a, a DJ producer, I've always loved Pete Rock. You know, Dre was a DJ and a producer. He's a billionaire, too. I mean, hello, guys. I want to remind people, you know, Dre's a DJ and producer <laughs> and a billionaire. Right. You know, I know, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is, you know, the greats, you know what I'm saying? They inspired me and they laid the blueprint for me to take it to the next level. Hopefully one day I can inspire the young world and they name me as the way I name these greats. What was the moment that made you decide, actually, I want to also talk to the people. I want to be in the front of the stage. I want to be actually on the mic. I mean, me as a DJ, you know, any party in Miss Info, you've been to them. Any party that I DJ that, you could have 10 DJs on set. Mm. And they could play all the hits before I come on. They do it all the time. Dallas in the building, play all the hits. He about to come tear it down. You know, I love it. It's the way I play music. It's the way I bring the records in. It's the way I talk to the crowd. It's the face expression. It's the way my sweat is dripping off of me. It's the way... You see this hunger, and you look in, these eyes don't lie. You know what I'm saying? So when the crowd see that pain and that passion, they going to be with you. So I come on stage, and I tear every stage down. I don't care. That's one thing I'm good at is lighting the place up. As a kid, I was raised in sound clash. Dance hall, reggae. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Your career could be done the day you start. I come from... That type of thing. And that's why you hear my, my records. I don't know if you noticed my anthems that I put together. I use my sound clash mentality the way I want records to come in or hooks or this, that shit. Because I'm thinking to myself, if I'm on stage, I got to make sure this shit get a forward when I want to make them type of colossal anthems. So I knew at that time that I'm not just a DJ. I'm an artist. And I think mm. every DJ is an artist in their own way. Some take it to the next level. I tell people every day, God forbid I was a full-fledged rapper. They would have a fucking problem. Right. Because I'm not going to stop working. Right. And I'm going to be on top of my shit. I knew when I was on stage DJing, and that's what made DJ Khaled who DJ Khaled is. Because when Khaled was at a club, he would tear it down. Legendary. <laughs> I seen it. What I'm trying to tell you, people wanted that Khaled experience. You know, when you come to the club of Cali ripping it down, them bottles is popping on um, the energy. I'm standing on top of the turntables. I'm like so into this shit. If I'm playing hate me now, I'm like losing my mind going into this other shit. And then going to the, like if I played victory, you would think I'm Buster Rhymes. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's the type of energy the club had when DJ Khaled was playing. A movie from day one. Always, always. Nas, you know, Khaled says that he wanted to ask you to do that song that ended up being Sorry Not Sorry or just to do a song with Hove for like five years or something like that. I've seen Khaled talking about the planning. It was more of a build up of one day, hopefully we can pull this off. This is a dream for me, but also a blessing to hip hop. Yeah. So working with Nas was always a big blessing to me. But to also get to a confidence level for me to ask. Even though it's nothing wrong to ask, because those are two brothers and it's two greats. But yeah. 
is special because you never know. He might be going to do that for his project. Jay might want to do that for his project. They might have a plan for this shit. True. I just felt like I wanted to ask. I just wanted you to know the story of the energy. You know what I mean? How did Khaled ask you, Nas? What'd he say? I don't remember. <laughs> he was waiting like, you know so what? long and then it you was know just. What? I think the way Khaled will hit me about any song. Okay. It starts with he has this idea. Because mm-hmm. it's never just, yo, just get on this record real quick. Mm-hmm. Nah, he cares about it. So it's like, I got this idea. Hear me out on this. Check this out. And he might describe what the music sound like and what he wants from this and what this record is going to mean before there's one bar hmm. on the song. Yeah, yeah. He told yeah. me what it was hmm. and then sends me the beat. Yeah. And then I hear the beat and I go, I get it. Hmm. I get it. I play it loud and I go, wow, when did he have time to put this idea together? And how did he know this was the record? But he knows. Hmm. And you kind of just trust him because he's in it too. He's not like, here's a beat, rap on it, whatever you do is that. It's like, no, he's involved. He's creating this record with you. After you give him the record, it's still being worked on. Hmm. After you give him the verse. So he told me about it. And yeah, I was in New York and uh, shot it back down. And that's the type of thing that is pure love mm-hmm. because a lot of people ain't going to do that. A lot of people ain't going to tell you, yo, Nas, let's do this song. I hear you on this record. I hear you on that record. I hear Rick Ross on the record with him, mm-hmm. with Drake. Just that type of hat he wears is something that nobody's doing, mm-hmm. which makes you a one of a kind, one of one, and we'd like to see you. So there was no hesitation for you. And there was no nah. like, no, I'm saving that idea. We're going to do that nah. for some, nothing nah. like that. No, nah. no, nah, no hesitation. He definitely described it right. You know what I'm saying? Anytime I get a chance to work with Nas, you know, just him picking up the phone. I'm grateful and I'm, you know, it's such a blessing. Always, Aww. man, always. No, it's real talk. So when I do have my opportunity to talk to him, especially about music, I just kind of like break down what I see before you even hearing an instrument. So after mm, I yeah. tell you, the energy, and then when I set him the beat, I feel good now because I at least told him what I feel. So when he hears the music, he's going to understand every emotion of the track now because I just got done telling him. And I think that's important, especially working with a Nas. You got to be ready. You can't just send Nas a record. That's not happening. It got to be a feeling. It got to be something where this is going to be something that makes sense and it's going to hopefully, God willing, be a timeless situation. And when I made Sorry Not Sorry, I thought it was just so beautiful. It was a dream for me as a somebody being from hip-hop mm-hmm. and also be able to give back to hip-hop as an yeah. artist, DJ, producer. I think that means a lot to be able to get the grace in the studio like that level of this yeah. rap shit and putting it out. And then talk about the lyrics on there is so inspiring and motivated. It just sounds perfect. The bars, the music, the video, mm-hmm. everything. We shot a fucking video. The video was crazy. Come on. We shot a video. Yeah. We shot a video, man. I know. They can't yeah. take that shit from me. I have a video with Nas and Jay-Z. Yeah, I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could stop today. That's bucket list shit. Right. And we suited up. Cartier's on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Escobar cigars lit up. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, come on. Yeah. On our breaks, we was really gambling. Like, I get to tell this fucking story. Yeah. Right. It's real. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Was there any friction between your identity and the hip-hop culture? Like, did you have to, like, overcome the fact that you were, just by looks, an outsider? You know, I, I'd certainly had to have that struggle for many, many years before it was accepted that I'm just misinfo. And they weren't looking at, like, who is this Asian chick? But for you, nah. was that ever an issue in nah. New Orleans? You know, I was a baby in New Orleans, but I always went back. But In Miami. To answer your question, no, I actually got embraced more. Because if you think about it, Arabic was in a lot of people's raps. I should do in the la ilaha law, messing with the six Scarface, Arabic Scarface. You know, it was a bunch of raps at that time. People was putting Arabic. Then you had people like Poor Righteous Teachers. You know, what I love about hip hop is the pure. And when you're pure and it's with hip hop, it's forever. I'm pure. You know, when somebody says the purest, you know, might have something to say. I said, I'm the purest. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Say you know, you can't, like, you can't take the way I've been raised and the way I've been born into this game. Like, mm-hmm. all I know is hip-hop. I am right. hip-hop. And I love it so much. I come from, like, I was the guy making tapes for people, and I wasn't a big mixtape DJ, but when I did make one, it felt like an album. You know what I'm saying? And this is when I didn't have a name. I was the guy where... Anybody that came around me, they always embraced my culture, my mother and father, being a a Palestinian-American. And again, like I said, in the music, to this day, you hear Arabic. Yeah. All in music. Right, Nas? For sure. Facts, man. Like, you know, the 5% Nation is all from Rakim to the Arabic letters in the Paid in Full video. Yeah. Right. To Big Daddy Kane was a 5%er, to the brand Nubians, and to just the knowledge given Brand new in all these yeah. rap songs. You know what I'm saying? Talking about the East. Yeah, you know that's interesting. I mean? So actually your spirituality was like a bridge between you and people coming in who never met you before, but because they were already kind of thinking about that and using the same language that you came up with, like you were in your own culture. I mean, I think it was great for a vibe. You know, remember this, this is me as a kid. I just love music. I love hip hop. I talk hip-hop, I dress hip-hop, I walk hip-hop, I breathe hip-hop, and hip-hop has opened every door and every opportunity for me. Right. 
and not just me, for others in the game. Yeah. Do you feel that things have also changed in the world where there's a lot more acceptance of people's differences and celebration of that? Because like most recently you were able to name an album Cali Callen. You know what I mean? Like I've heard you speak on changing your name from your original DJ name to DJ Khaled because in reaction to the way the world was. Is it different now for you? No, no. I mean, I only have respect for everyone. That's just the way I move. I respect everything. And um, I always knew I was going to make Khaled Khaled around this time using my name. And the reason why the concept of Khaled Khaled was the same way I look up at Nas, they call him Nasir Jones. You know, you look at, say, Jay-Z, Sean Carter. Uh, you look at Puff Daddy, they call him Sean Combs. All those names I just named, if you think about their careers, when you started calling them by their birth name, it was like the, the evolvedness. Yeah, the evolution, yep. Each artist, mogul, leader, the evolution. And that's what happened in, in my life where, you know, of course I'm DJ Khaled. But this last album was called Khaled Khaled because you about to see the next chapter. You know, of course you're going to get more hits and more anthems. We never stopping that. We're going to put that upon your head top every day. We not stopping. And we one of the greatest at it. Then we're going to do other things too, because we the best in all categories. And the only reason why I'm speaking with this ambition is because I want the young world to hear this ambition. Have this ambition and go get yours, because we not stopping. Period. Mm -hmm. It's not happening. We're not stopping. We're going hard. We're going to continue winning and we're going to continue being blessed and we're going to be the best at it. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, now nah, I'm just being, I'm sorry. I'm on a spritz here. I'm, I, I drank a cappuccino before I came on this street. I'm just, <laughs> talk, you know what I'm saying? Talk your talk, bro. It's like a million DJs, a million producers, a million hip hop artists out here, but everybody's not going to go to that level. Hmm. First of all, most people don't see that level. What I think most artists like about Khaled is he sees not only the next level for him, but he sees it for you too. Right. So if he's working with you or just talking to you, he wants he's going to bring, gonna you, up. Tell, bring you up. What's interesting, Nas, is when you brought up like where did you come from and referencing the mud that is the beginning, we kind of wanted to get into like what was your environment before you could tell people what you wanted it to be. You know, first of all, my mother and father, I love them so much, man. They gave us everything we ever wanted, even when they had times where it was at the low. Mm -hmm. um, the blessing with me was I got to see high and low. And when I was 16, you know, I seen it all get taken away. Why? You know, my family went through a bunch of stuff and all their wins got taken away. So I had to grow up faster. And from that day on, I said I was going to take care of my family myself and my future family, because in my head when I was younger, I always said, I'm going to have a family and I'm going to do it big. And hmm. when it came down to the music in my dreams, I knew this is something I love. And I know if I love something, I'm going to go all out. But I was also raised around other great hustlers. And everybody did their thing. Everybody was doing their thing, but they didn't want me to get in trouble. Okay. You know what I'm saying? They always say, Khaled's our God. They always protected Khaled in a special way, energy-wise, too. You know what I'm saying? Just they, they love what I bring to the table was the light. You know what I'm saying? So besides my music, just me hanging around my people, they love me being around because it inspired them. And I was always the guy like, yo, man, let's not do this. Let's do this. If we want to make music, we could do it. If we want to shoot movies, we could do it. If we want to do this, we could do it. So I was always that guy. 
climbing from the mud to where we at now, saying, hey, we can do this shit. Where at? I was raised in Florida, okay? I was born in New Orleans. So oh. I was born in New Orleans. My family took me to Florida. I lived in North Carolina before in Greensboro. I lived in Dallas, people don't even know. I lived in, as a real young age, but I was raised in Florida. So I lived in Orlando for a while, and then Miami. I've been in Miami since, like, end of 93 to now. Hmm. Yeah. So it's over, what, 20-plus years. Miami's my, you know, my flag, but New Orleans is my flag, too, because I love them so much, and I always went back because my hmm. family was was there and I would go visit all the time. I started working at a record store in Orlando, I mean, uh, New Orleans, because I told you when my family lost everything, I had to figure the shit out. So mm. I went every opportunity, if it was working at a record store, and I'll never forget working at the record store on the radio, I heard a DJ battle commercial. And I was like, I ain't got no money. And I was like, I need to get this money to get me a U-Haul to get all my records to get back to Miami. So. I heard the commercial, so I entered the DJ contest. It was at a club called Whispers. One day, I hoped somebody could pull the footage out because somebody had to film it. It was a DJ contest. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, I won that shit. And I was <laughs> oh, going against a bunch of incredible DJs. And I never forget, I was cutting it up, boom, boom. I was so hungry and so ambitious. But besides my blessings and my talent for hip-hop and my love for hip-hop, I walked in there saying, I got to do this for survival. Right. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't even like, you know, being nervous. Nah, this is like, yo, I got to get this. Right. And then in Miami, I came to Miami. See what happened in Orlando. I got locked up for some driver license shit. And I was in there for like a month. And the day I got out, I said, I got to get out of here. I went straight to Miami. My girl, ex-girl had a, a mother that lived in Miami. So we would stay in her house and apartment. I would sleep on the floor until I got my own place. But I was doing hotels. And then when I got out, the first day I got back to Miami, Nas was performing at a club called Warsaw. Wow. He was performing at Warsaw and the line was around the building. And I actually went to that concert and I didn't know nobody in Miami. And I said, I love it here. And it was so hip hop and so much culture. And I said, I'm gonna get busy out here. Hmm. And I ended up doing pirate radio. Mm -hmm. Then I ended up getting on the big radio. But through all that, I was producing music. You know what I'm saying? I have an album before my first album that's on reels. I made an album before I made an album. I was so seeing the future. Like, I have an album at Circle House Studios. Yeah. And BB, he called me every day talking about, let's talk business and all that. I'm like, yo, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my brother. Like, But I got records like with Guru and KRS-One and Wu-Tang and... Wow. I never put it out. Whoever would come through Miami? Yeah, people would come to Miami, and remember, I was just on fire in the streets of Miami, but any opportunity I got a chance to go in a studio with an artist, I was always ready, you know what I'm saying? And we made so many dope records, and at that time, it wasn't easy just to record anyone, because, you know, the game's changed now where it's more active. Back in them days... Yeah, you only mess with your crew or very close contacts. Yeah, it, it, I mean, not even just that. I ain't have a name out there like that yet. Yeah. But people respected DJ Khaled because if you think about some of these artists that's huge, I known them where they were in the mud grinding like me and we just kind of came up together. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? The same way Nas, I'm sure you came up a certain era where you was coming up with certain artists, but at that time, you look at everybody now, everybody millionaire, billionaire, you know, everybody blessed. But I was coming up back in them days with 
you know, we was climbing the mountain together. You know what I'm saying? So right. yeah. the more higher we got, the more respect. And like, oh, shit, Cal, what up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was dope. I got to ask you, when you was working on Khaled Khaled, did you think for one minute about what if I put Justin Timberlake and Justin Bieber on the same song? Did you think that for a second? I did when they FaceTimed me together. I'm, I already made a record with Justin Bieber right. like two weeks before. And then I'm online with JT, Justin Timberlake, and we about to start recording a record for my album. I given him the idea. I sent him the record. I told him what this is. And um, they FaceTimed me, and I missed the FaceTime. And they screenshotted the FaceTime, and it was Justin Bieber and Justin Timberlake in the studio together. So I'm losing my mind. Like, wow. what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I said, I just got Nas and Jay-Z. And now Justin Timberlake and Justin Bieber, but I'm like, I just recorded a record with Bieber, so what the fuck, right. is he going to jump on this record with Justin Timberlake, the one I sent him? Right. I would love to make that happen. That's the type of mentality and levels I'd be thinking, but it was just cool to be able to make records with those two guys, but to see them in the studio together and have a picture of them, me missing a FaceTime, that shit dope to me. Yeah. What would be kind of like the ultimate for you, Nas? He has these big ideas for records that he wants to see happen for hip-hop. It's not even for himself. For you, is there anything you think about? And it doesn't even have to be just hip-hop, because you're talking about Justin Bieber and Justin Timberlake. But, like, what would just be an event that you want to see? The one I wanted to see is Too Late Now. That was Michael and Prince. I wanted to see them get together or do a concert together, Mm -hmm. you know? Other events. Like Sade and somebody or, like, Mm. I don't know who. Wow. Wow, Who yeah. it could be. Sound like we A&R in the yeah, next Khaled exactly. Khaled mm. album. <laughs> Man, I'm, you, you hear me listening. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Where you going with this? Sade and Anita Baker? Or, oh, my God. You know. Shut down the entire I think internet. there's nothing that Khaled can't pull together. So, Mm-mm. Like we was talking before yeah, we, we got on the air, like, like your journey you were a DJ, a producer DJ, and now a superstar. So you was behind the scenes, kinda. But somebody was slacking, and you said, no, I can't just stay right here on the drum machine because we're going to benefit from me stepping up. The culture benefits from Khaled stepping up and doing what he does. We was talking about fan love. Yeah. When he rose up in a spot. And thousands of kids is out there because of his energy. Man, thank you. First of all, you know I appreciate saying? that, Nas, because you know what's so crazy is I was telling my team, I might not get the flowers that I deserve, and I'm not here to um, wait on somebody to give me my flowers. So for you to give me my flowers right now, I appreciate that, Nas, and I really mean that. But um, I told my brothers and sisters around me, we're not waiting on nobody to give us our flowers. We grow our own flowers. We put them in yeah. our backyard. You know what I mean? We give flowers. We gonna, Yo! We, we, we'll even give you the, the seeds. You know, what type of flowers you want? Because we are a flower. <laughs> we blessed. And to hear my brother give right. me my flowers, that's Nas giving it to me. So I'm good. And I thank you. And the thing is, like, Nas and, and Miss Info, you know, I do a lot. When it comes down to this music shit, I tell everybody, let me see you do what I do. Mm. I've been doing this shit. I got 12 albums out. Okay, not just Mm -hmm. talking about records I produce outside of my albums, not executive producing albums that's classics outside of my album. I'm not talking about the albums I A&R that's outside of my albums that are classics. Like, they don't want to give me my flowers. I don't want your flowers. (laughs) They. 
So yep. I grow my own flowers, and that's what's gotten me here today. And that's how I always been as a kid, because I always was told that I couldn't do this, or you can't do this and that and that. I'm like, why? You know what I'm saying? So I do everything. And when it comes down to the music, I'm so in love with it. Man, I remember first getting on my MPC 60 as a kid and just samples. It was, I would sit there for days and nights, you know, making beats and, and scratching records and practicing new mixes and couldn't wait to play a beat for a Joe Cracker. I used to give beats to Clark Kent because when Biggie would come in town, I'd be like, yo, please play this for Biggie. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I cherish those moments. Yeah. And then I grew even more because when I was in the studio, then I got opportunities to actually work with the artists face to face if it's making the production. But also, man, let's make a, let's do this song and let's take it here. Let's do this. Let's add that. My energy with the artists ended up being so great that I became not just a beat maker as a producer, but also as a producer from top to bottom, from making the record, recording the record, mixing the record. Vocal comp in the record, putting ideas on the record, arranging the record, to putting the record out. Right. Wow, that's crazy. Listen, so what I'm saying is, you know, the other day I was on the phone with Reverend Run, and Run said something. Man, he said, Calvin, you know, you the artist, producer, and the executive. And not many people can do all that. Some artists only could be the artist because they're so creative, and they just want to be just the artist. They don't want to deal with all the other shit which is beautiful. But then you got guys like me, but there's not many like me. I'm inspired by others, but I'm always Khaled. So, you know, 100 years from now, they're going to say Khaled. They're not going to say Khaled sound like this person or is doing this like this person. No, Khaled is Khaled. But every time I saw you, you looked ambitious. You looked like you was going to get it back yeah. then. You could tell you have that eye. When we it felt so small and intimate, like the whole yeah. business and all of the artists and yeah. all the people working to make the music and to talk about the music, the magazine kids and the, even the fans, we all felt like we were part of like an intimate circle. Now, universal, global, everywhere in the whole world you can go and it's influenced by hip hop. So it's, it's an incredible journey to be a part of and a blessing. We're glad you are here, man. Oh no, it's incredible. Thank you, man. What you just said, Miss Info, look at this shit we doing, man. Like, I know. Everything's influenced by hip-hop. You know, that's why we got this new talk. It's called All Categories. We mm-hmm. the biggest and we the best in all categories. Cigars, mm-hmm. New Jordans, <laughs> if it's, yeah. you know what Dolce I mean? Dolce and Gabbana. You know, yeah, whatever we decide to do. And when if we, it's movies with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Yep, movies. All that. We're going to do it all. And the reason why I say that, I want the young world to know, man, this is a special time. It's yours. You know, you made a record called The World Is Yours. You know, Slick Rick said, hey, young world, the world is yours. Facts. Now facts, I told you the world is yours. And, and I'm telling people today, it's a new world and it's fucking yours. You know what I'm saying? Like It's yours. Yeah. It's so many opportunities. And guess what? You can make your own opportunity. You don't have to wait on nobody. You can make your own opportunities. And if somebody bring you an opportunity, man, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) You said it, man. We appreciate you. You said it. We We appreciate you, man, and your time today. Rocking with us, man. Always, brother. Man, I I appreciate both of y'all. I love y'all both, man. I'm here for whatever. And y'all keep doing y'all thing, all right? All right, man. We love you, bro.
on the next episode of The Bridge. 50 years of hip-hop, we talk to Snoop Dogg. I met Buster Rhymes at the House of Blues when Deep Cover was out, and he was there with Daz Effects. And I was so fucking happy to meet Daz Effects and Buster Rhymes, and them niggas knew who I was. And that shit blew my mind. Cause they was like, nigga, you the hottest shit in New York. I'm like, I only got one song out. From Spotify, the executive producers are Gina Delvec and Jason Rodriguez, with additional production support from Leslie Guam and Andrea Salenzi. And special thanks to Courtney Holt, Jessica Dow, and everyone at Spotify who helped the bridge come to life. From Mass Appeal, the executive producers are myself, Nas, Peter Bittenbender, Jenya Meggs. Lead producer is Medina Parwana. And associate producer is Serge Jabrija. Our writer is Gabe Alvarez. Samara Langer and Cliff Cristofaro are our editors. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.